I'm Kathy Cooper. This is Loss and Found, where every loss matters, and through every loss, something can be found. Thank you so much for tuning in. I am always grateful for your presence. Um, If you're a new listener, welcome. This is a show where I do my best to cover all types of loss and what can be found in them. It's not a doom and gloom hour because we always have some humor mixed in to the to the insights. So I encourage you to get a cup of coffees, maybe some tea, favorite beverage of your choice. Sit back and join me in the next hour. All right. I do want to remind everyone that Loss and Found will be uploaded as a podcast. So you can download it through your favorite podcast site and, of course, 1150kknw.com. I also want to remind you that if you're hearing this on Wednesday at 1 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, that's my regular airtime, and this is a pre-recorded show, though. Uh, The reason for that is because I am no longer unemployed, and I... uh, With my new position, I'm not going to be able to leave it for a couple hours as I've been able to do for my uh, previous employment. So um, we're going to be recording it. You'll be hearing it Wednesday, and we're going to be doing a a little run uh, trial for Fridays from 5 to 6 p.m., and so that's also pre-recorded. Now, what what I'd really like to ask of you is this. Um, If you could just take a few moments and email me at lossandfoundseattle at gmail.com, and let me know when and how you heard the show. I, I would really, really appreciate it. I'm really trying to get a sense if, uh, you know, what the audience is for airtime slots. Uh, and then if, um, you know, the podcast is a convenient way for you and if, if that's something that you're enjoying. So I know that's, you know, you have a lot to do. But if you could just take a second and email me, lostandfoundseattle at gmail.com. And you can also go to my Facebook page, which is Lost and Found Seattle, and just give me a message on that. I would really appreciate it. Just trying to to kind of see where everybody is and make it as convenient as possible. All right. So let's uh, let's go on to the show here. We've got I've got a great guest and we've got some some good conversation coming up. But first, I want to ask a few questions. What thoughts do you have when you think of your workplace? When you think about going to work, what thoughts come to mind? What does your body feel when you think about going to work? Last night, once you got the kids to bed and, you know, all the chores, if you will, were done, you walk into the bedroom, sit down on the side of the bed, pick up your phone to set an alarm because I don't really think anyone uses an alarm clock any longer. You know, what were you thinking Maybe were you thinking something like, oh, I can't wait until I retire or, oh, man, tomorrow I have to go to work and I have to see this person and work with them. Oh, I wish I didn't have to do that. Maybe they'll be sick. Or perhaps you're wondering what kind of a mood your boss is going to be in. Is it, you know, is it because kind of our boss sometimes can dictate how the office runs? And, you know, are you thinking, wow, what's that going to be like? You hope he had a good weekend, so he comes back in in a positive mood or she comes in in a positive mood. Or are you just thinking, okay, Monday, I just got to hold on until Friday. Fast forward to that alarm going off, and now you're getting up to start your day. What is your body feeling? Do you maybe have a pit in your stomach or perhaps you have a nervous stomach, maybe some GI distress? It's getting closer now to leaving. You got the kids out the door. You're gathering your things to go. Do you say to yourself, okay, just a few more minutes and then I'll leave? Only to know that those few more minutes will make you late. Do you even care if you're late? Now you've arrived at work, sat through Seattle traffic. You're at work as you're walking in to your building. What do you say to yourself? Are you saying something, well, here goes nothing? Or maybe taking some deep breaths so you can face whatever the mood is going to be in the office? Are you just thinking, okay, let's just get this over with, go in, do what I got to do, keep my head down, don't make any waves? Why am I asking these questions? Because if you're feeling or thinking any of the things that I was saying, you are likely working in a toxic work environment. It's an environment where you have vindictive coworkers. Perhaps there's a bully in the mix. 
Maybe there's a dysfunctional or non-assertive boss, or perhaps your boss is the one to make you feel less than. If you find yourself chronically stressed out around your workplace, that's a good sign that it's toxic. If you're being bullied by another person, that's a good sign that it's toxic. Now, you may be wondering, you know, what does this have to do with working? Um, what, what does loss have to do with working in a, in a toxic environment? Well, um, we're going to take a short break. And when we come back, my guest and I, we're going to share a little bit with just how it all fits together. I'm Kathy Cooper. This is Lost and Found. We'll be right back. This is Marilyn Milano. If you love animals, then please check out my new show, Love Has Many Faces, Tuesdays from 9 to 9.30 a.m. right here on Alternative Talk 1150. I'll be talking with rescue groups, animal advocates, and other organizations that help animals, sharing their stories, and giving our listeners some tangible ways in which they can help make a difference. That's Love Has Many Faces, Tuesdays at 9 a.m. right here on Alternative Talk 1150. Raising awareness, touching hearts, and saving animals' lives. What's your story? Have you ever sat with that question and looked to your heart for the answer? It's time to explore the real you. Tune in Thursdays from 4 p.m. to 5 p.m. for the brand new show, Story You, with Coach Debbie. Debbie and her guests have a mission to inspire and coach you to find your voice. If you need direction, Story You with Coach Debbie is for you. If you want to be an author, Story You with Coach Debbie is for you. Tune in Thursdays at 4 p.m. and be inspired alternative talk 1150 local talk for the body mind and soul Welcome back. I'm Kathy Cooper. This is Loss and Found, where every loss matters, and through every loss, something can be found. What you're about to hear is true. The toxic work environment took place in a small windowless room in a location south of Seattle. The names of those involved will remain anonymous. Only Rana and I have stepped forward to share our story. All right, um, just trying to have a little fun with that. Um, my, my guest today is Rhonda Patty, and she is uh, she was a coworker of mine in our uh, when we in our little environment that we worked in that became quite toxic. And she's a registered nurse. She is super sharp. Very compassionate person, um, very well expresses herself, and I'm just super excited, Rana, that you're here to to talk with me. I think we're gonna um, be able to really help some folks understand maybe you know what they're working with and um, what loss uh, can be found in a toxic work environment. So thank you for joining me today. Well, thanks for asking me to, to join you, Kathy. I've been really excited since you talked to me about it, and um, just had a lot of thoughts about the whole process. I honestly had put a lot of it to bed because it was a, it was a lot. And um, I'm kind of, it's going to be good to talk through it with you today. You know, I think that's a really, that's a really good point. I, I myself, it, it was, there was a lot of grieving and that's what folks, I, I really want you to, to think about um, as we have our conversation, think about your own situation and you might be grieving in a way that, that you don't even know that you have. Or if you've left a situation, you may be finding yourself that you are actually grieving the loss of working uh, in a, in a mm-hmm. particular place. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Very much. Yep. So let's get the, give the audience a little bit uh, of background of what, you, what your role was. I'll kind of share what my role was. But what was it that you were doing sure. in this particular place of employment? So I worked, uh, uh, our role was, um, we worked as liaisons for a a company that did home health and hospice, and I worked in a hospital building. 
And um, I interacted with patients on a day-to-day basis and helped them to understand what home health and hospice was, what it wasn't, um, what their needs were determined if they actually qualified for those services, and then um, got to develop relationships with those folks and also got to develop really close relationships with the case management team and um, other you know, doctors and other folks in the hospital as we worked together to discharge plan folks through their hospital stays and get them out safely home. Yeah, and that was um, that was really an important part. I worked mainly on the the hospice end and um, infusion side, and that was really an important part was meeting with the families, helping them walk through some difficult decisions, especially getting the trust mm-hmm. of the case managers. You know that that mm-hmm. was huge for for what we had to do, and having the physicians yep. begin to trust us, so they would refer to our particular organization and. Mm-hmm. Um, and things and and you and I developed a, a great rapport. We we developed great teamwork, and um, we did. And really, we're able to bounce off things, you know, bounce things off of each other. We were really able to cover for each other. Hey, Rana, I'm I'm mm-hmm. you know busy here. Can you take it? Really was working seamlessly. Mm-hmm. It really was. I mean, we we jokingly called ourselves the dream team, and it was us and a couple of other people and. Yeah, um, we we joked about that, but we really were. We really had an amazing team of people that just worked seamlessly together. And if one person needed coverage, it was not a problem. We just picked up and took over for that person. And um, there was no infighting. There was no backstabbing. It was just a really uh, welcoming, loving environment to work. And I really enjoyed it. Yes. And then, and this is what, um, as listeners, you may find things are going well, and then suddenly there's going to be change coming down, maybe a departmental mm-hmm. change or something. And that's that's kind of what occurred for Rana and I. We're we're in this situation. Things are working well. Referrals are up. We're moving forward. Um, and then uh, a new idea came about how to service a particular um, place that we were that we were working, and that's mm-hmm. kind of when things started to change. And it wasn't the, and for me, it wasn't the fact that we were changing, you know, I I think you and I both adapted well to that. It ended up being the way um, particular people that were, were hired and how that all played out. I think, yeah, I think there was, um, I don't know, Kathy, because I think if we think about it a little bit, we went from having a pretty independent workplace because we didn't have an office in the building to having an office in the building. And all of a sudden that was very confining. Oh, so we true. had to, we, I, I don't know if you remember now, but we had a few conversations about how that felt weird to us. So we felt like we had to be in that little windowless office all day long. And that was hard. There was no windows in the we were in the basement of a building. Yeah. So yeah. There was like a little, there was a little grieving process there because we went from being outside in the sunshine to windowless office in the basement of a hospital. So it was just you and me. And that was great. And, um, that was step one. It was for a while. It was just step one, and then then we brought the other people in, and and it was like, uh, it was kind of like boiling the frog in the pot almost initially, you know that um, we went from this wonderful environment where we really didn't have a lot of management yes. in our faces all that much. You know, our manager trusted us. Mm-hmm. Um, we saw her every six weeks, maybe she would come down and see us. And when she was doing rounds and maybe once a month, every six weeks, and we had a lot of trust there and then it changed significantly. So, yeah. Yeah. So, so what, what occurred? And I, you know, I think maybe listeners, this is something that you can relate to is a particular person, particular personalities, you know, especially first of all, women and women that are listening. If you're working in an office where there's a lot of women, you already know that there can be some, some difficulties. Um, although I don't think that that was the entire situation, but you know, new people come in, so we have to make adjustments. And that's, I think one of the first things to really look at with your environment is how, how did everybody adjust? And, you know, coming in, I feel, um, that we did a really good job uh, of welcoming and really trying to, to become a team. Yeah, I think you're, I think you're totally right. I think we worked really hard to um, make sure that the new people that we brought on, first of all, we interviewed the heck out of people. 
and yeah. to make sure that we were careful about people that we introduced into our team. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, we job shadowed them and other things. And, um, you know, we had a few questions about the people that we brought onto our team, but it was getting to the point where the management really just, they really wanted us to hire folks. So we went ahead and said, okay. And, um, but we did, we set the stage for them. We set them up for success with training and everything you could need, you know, workbooks. And mm-hmm. it, in my opinion, I think we set them up for success. Yeah. And we we really did. Looking at where, you know, places that, that we have gone into, um, everything mm-hmm. was set up for them. And and I think what was important, too, we even went as far as saying, hey, can we each take a, 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 a work style, workplace style um, from mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. what was that from? That was from uh, the Gallup oh poll. They get your, your top five. Yeah. So, folks, 20 bucks worthwhile. Go to GallupPoll.com and you can yeah. get your top five um strengths in the workplace Mm -hmm. and it's really amazing for teams when you're coming together because you can see what everybody's strengths are and then you can kind of operate to that so that was the goal of that is if we all took that then we would be able to to find out what our strengths are lean on each other and um, continue to build a really strong team Mm -hmm. that didn't work out so well no uh, it was unfortunate that it didn't work out so well and you and I um, I think very quickly realized that um, there was a big disconnect in um, one of the hirings, and we tried to talk to management about it early on and were shut down significantly mm-hmm. um, because recognizing the importance of our team and how the meshing of the team, especially in our environment, because we had to be able to hand off to each other and we're covering for each other, and we've added in these weekends, and it was a really intense time in the team. Um you and I went early on to management and tried to talk about that. And um, we just were kind of told to just give it some time and work with it. And so we did. Mm-hmm. We definitely did. And we, we really tried hard. I, I think you and I tried very hard to, um, in every way, make it work. Yeah, I, I agree. And, and I think that's one thing that, um, that I'm proud of is, mm-hmm. you know, what I what I learned through that. And one thing um, to skip for a second to what I found in that, and we'll, we'll talk more about that um, later, is I, I found that I, you know, just one more time, I really think, okay, now we've got it. Yeah. You know, we just had this conversation, now we got it. Because, mm-hmm. you know, I guess I think it would be really helpful to the audience, especially if they maybe are thinking, well, maybe I'm in an environment and, and not sure you know, to give some examples of some of the situations that went, that occurred. Um, I, I have some, do you, do you feel comfortable in sharing anything, Rana, from your own experience or anything that, that you um, observed? I, yeah, why don't you go first? Cause like I said, I have put so many of them I to had bed. to because it was <laughs> yeah. so toxic. I had to put them so far to bed that if I, as I listen to you, I'm sure they will pop right up into my brain. So, okay. I'll have to go ahead. So just some, just some, things that you may find folks when you are um, in your work environment, there was some undermining, uh, purposeful mm-hmm. undermining. I, I had a couple situations where I was told no by a particular person, I, I'll take care of that. You know, you don't need to do that. And I'm mm-hmm. like, okay, I'll let you do that. I come in the next morning, it wasn't done. And um, it was reported that I had not taken care of it. Um, Mm -hmm. and that was, that was really a difficult thing for me to, to process. And, you know, I talked to the person and the person was very good about trying to make me think, and this is a, this is a big one, I think for folks in in an environment such as this, the person that can be difficult is really good at making you think you remembered incorrectly. And I walked Mm -hmm. away going, maybe I did say that. You know, maybe maybe I was wrong in that. So on one occasion, I did take responsibility for it. Hey, I missed it. The second time that it occurred, it's like, okay, no, I know specifically that I did not miss Mm -hmm. it. So some undermining. If you're working with folks that are undermining you, um, that's that's a hard place to be in. And that's something to to recognize and try to talk to the person about Um, just just blatant ignoring folks. I would walk into the office Mm -hmm. and. No mm-hmm. one would say hi. Um, mm-hmm. You know, three other people in the room, uh, two and you know, two for sure in the room, and 
there's not any any greeting at all. And you can just feel the tension. Mm-hmm. Once I walk in, you could feel the tension. Conversations were going on and then it stopped. That that didn't mm-hmm. feel good. And I don't know if listeners, if, if you're experiencing that, that's a, a prime example of, um, of that's mm-hmm. kind of bullying, silent bullying. Um, withholding information back to that one. Um, I, just with myself, I remember I was off for a bit because I had had a, an illness. And when I came back, some things had changed. And I had been back three days before my boss, my manager, came down. And no one had told me the changes that occurred. And then we're in a meeting. And then I'm kind of being called on the carpet for not doing X, Y, and Z process. But no one had told me. Mm-hmm. And um, that that really I remember in that point, I remember trying to hold back tears because that was very hurtful. Um, another coworker uh, not being told the information that they needed to be able to perform their job. Some steps were being left out. So then the other person mm-hmm. could look really good in the eyes and say, hey, I caught this. You know, you missed this step. Well, she was never told the step. Um, so just those types of yeah. things. I think if you're in a work environment and you start like you're feeling crazy, that's a sign that something yeah. funky's going on. I'm, yeah. Back to what you had said about we worked so hard to develop those relationships with the case managers and, and we had to, that was, that was, those are hard fought relationships. A lot of those for me mm-hmm. where, they were. you know, cause those people were, that was not an easy group to break into. And especially with a, a few of them, I felt like I had, um, won the battle and, and really built some relationships. Um, and then to be told by the toxic person in the group that, um, you know, everybody thinks you're a terrible person. Nobody really likes you and you do terrible work. And I was told that on a regular basis. And um, I verbally attacked on more than one occasion. And I, you know, um, yes, yeah. to the point where I walked in the door one night. Um, and my husband looked at me and said, what is wrong? What happened at work? Did, what happened? Did someone die? That, I mean, I had cried so hard at work mm-hmm. that um, he thought someone had died. And I said, no, I just got like verbal. Everyone had to leave the office because this person was verbally attacking me so strongly in the office setting that literally everyone had to walk out of the room. Because it was just one room. And there was five of us in this one room. Mm-hmm. And... Um, you remember that day, I'm sure. I yes, remember. yes, it was a I do. Day, um, being told that you know on a regular basis that nobody liked me, that I was a, um, a an unlikable person, that I didn't do my job well, that I didn't know what I was doing. Um, you know, those are the kind of things that after a while you start to think, "Am I crazy? No, that's I'm not crazy." And and part of the problem was. Our management had put me in a in a uh, quasi leadership position, but didn't tell anybody else. Yes. Other than yes. You. Yes. And so um, that caused a lot of unnecessary trouble in the office setting. And so, um, you know, not to sound like I'm complaining or that we're complaining, but I would literally get up in the morning on the days when these people worked and feel sick to my stomach and feel like I was going to vomit on my way into work. And have to sit in my car and psych myself up to walk in the office. And I, I, th- I think you're right. Because, yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, I just, I would just, I would adjust the dread of having to have my back facing this person's back and um, the sounds like, it's all kind of coming back to me. There was certain sounds that this person would make that were sort of um, disgruntled or obnoxious sounds. Um, it was just very difficult, and they they made sure that you knew that you were less than. Yes, and I think that's that's a really good point about you know not complaining and and it's interesting that you say that because I think listeners that might be experiencing this, you know, that may be what what they feel like is you know mm-hmm. if I if I want to talk about it, I come home and I want to talk about it. I'm you know I'm I'm just complaining, you know, maybe mm-hmm. a a partner saying, well, you know, just leave the job, do whatever. But, mm-hmm. it, it, you know, it, it's it's really not not that simple. And mm-hmm. um, and I think really the purpose of today that that really to me points out is you've got to talk about it because what you're mm-hmm. feeling is very, very real. I myself would get very anxious when I would have to go in, especially particular days. And, you know, mm-hmm. you, you've got the, the tightness in your stomach and, it, and it's a situation mm-hmm. that you can't 
that you can't do do your best work in. And what I found difficult, too, is not to share what was going on in that space up with the case managers because they could tell there was tension right. and they're hearing right. murmurings. And it was some days it was so hard to keep my mouth quiet, but I had to remain professional. Mm-hmm. And I think that's another aspect right. of it. If if we're living through this, I encourage you as listeners to really think about who you talk about about the situation with in your organization mm-hmm. or if you're working, you know, with outside businesses because you always have to maintain that that professionalism. And there were times yeah. where I just it was all I could do, but I didn't and I was very proud of that because right. I don't think that's how other folks in the office um, handled us because <laughs> I know they were right. you know, thinking that that I knew something was really, really wrong when we had someone hired for just under a month and they came to me and is like, this, this is not a positive environment. Because, you know, when you live with it, you kind of think, well, it's just me. Mm-hmm. And you start right. to think, well, this is just normal. And then you get new eyes that come in and, and folks mm-hmm. listening. Maybe that's something that you've experienced is maybe you have mm-hmm. somebody come in that's able to look around and go, whoa, what did I just get myself into? And that's what this person mm-hmm. said. And they ended up leaving just within a few weeks because they're mm-hmm. like, I can't I can't work with the way I'm being treated. Even as a new person trying to be trained, right. they weren't being treated properly. And that person that person left. Now, of course, in a toxic work environment, what do we do? We gloss it over. Oh, they missed what they were doing before or, you know, they wanted, they just wanted to go do something else. They saw this wasn't for them when really we all know what the situation is. And that's another part of it too, is the undercurrent of everybody knowing what going, what's going on, but nobody's doing anything about it. Yes. And I think this is so important, Kathy, because you and I talked to each other. We had each other. We were each other's rock. Yes. And we talked to our manager, but we didn't go to HR. No. And that was something that we should have done way earlier than we did. I went to HR right before I finally left. I actually filed a complaint right before I finally left because it was getting so bad that um, I felt like I couldn't not file an HR complaint anymore. But I felt like up until that point, I'm like, oh, I don't want to file an HR complaint. We don't oh, feel I don't safe. Want to file an HR complaint. You don't feel safe. I didn't feel safe. I didn't feel safe. But yeah, I what happened, what ended up happening was my manager called HR while I was sitting there and she has HR on the phone and then she's directing the HR conversation. That was really bad. It just turned out really bad. So um and unfortunately, and you and I have both said this, I loved my job. Yeah. I loved my job. It was of all the jobs I've ever had, my favorite job. Yeah, it was fun. We had fun. I'd go back to that job in a heartbeat if I could. Mm-hmm. If the personnel would change, I would go back. Yeah. It, it was it was heartbreaking when I made the decision to leave that position, but there was nothing I could I was I was emotionally and physically completely beat down every single day that I walked in that office. And I didn't even recognize it because like I said, it was that slow boil. You're right. It was that. You're right. Every single day, my migraines were getting worse. My physical health was getting worse. I wasn't sleeping. And I was just like, steal myself to go in. I'd live for Wednesdays because it was just you and me on Wednesdays. And, you know. And that's, yeah. And that's, um, that's a really big uh, a point for me as well is I it was taking a, a toll on me physically I think part of my physical situation last April was um, mm-hmm. that was part of what was going on was the toxic work environment just mm-hmm. made my body stop and um, and I think I think the HR part is really important is when we're in such an, uh, an environment you know somebody may say we'll go to HR but you don't feel safe to do that because if your manager's not handling it then are, mm-hmm. what are you going to be perceived as, you know, or how is your right. manager going to present you to the HR? So when when I left and I will say this, and I think it's I think it's come back to haunt me a little bit um, when I was unemployed and making some applications. But um, mm-hmm. when I left, I sought counsel and I would encourage folks for you to do this. If if you leave a, a place because of uh, the environment, I sought counsel by someone that was highly respected in the organization. I said, this is what I've experienced. 
um, gave my facts. This is what I've observed, but this is what I have experienced, and this is how I feel. Mm-hmm. It is hurting referrals and hurting our business. And mm-hmm. she said, you need to let folks know that. So I didn't get an exit interview, which a lot of times in toxic mm-hmm. work environments, they don't want to give you an exit they interview don't. because I asked right. for one and I did not get one. So I wrote mm-hmm. a letter and I CC'd everybody on it. And I, <laughs> I was very clear. And at the end, I remember at the end of it, I went through what my own personal experiences were. But at the end, I even said, I feel like I'm in high school, you know, back in mm-hmm. high school and having to to tattle on somebody that's being a bully because nobody's doing anything to stop them. And I, and yeah. I felt so, and you know, so awkward writing that, but I had to write it for myself. And I think to stand up for anybody that came after us, because also another person that was there, they had to get her out of the office because of everything that was going on. Right. So, so folks listening, you know, if you don't feel safe prior to leaving the um, the position, you know, when you do leave, it is to the benefit to have it documented that, look, this is what's going on. Because maybe at some point, new management, somebody will come in and perhaps try to take control of the situation. Mm-hmm. Let's talk a little bit. Let's talk a, a, a little bit about, um, you know, we. So safety, when you're in a toxic work environment, I think we both felt unsafe. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm walking in, we don't know what, how we're going to be treated when we walk in. Um, I think the safety of, you know, having, having your teamwork, can I depend upon somebody is, is, um, is my Mm -hmm. work going to be frowned upon because I asked this person to do it and they didn't do it. And then can you prove Mm -hmm. that? So we started putting everything in emails, right? You want to email everything, (laughs) um, document everything. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think, um, I felt like we, uh, Loss of security that, you know, especially when you left, yep. I didn't have anybody to have my back. Right. Right. And I think those um, that's a that's a huge loss in just the fact of who's there to support me. Um, I lost right. a loss of faith in the organization. I was a huge and I, and I still am. I totally respect them. But I was really, you know, I was gung ho for this organization yep. and for this particular program. And although I am. I'm not as gung-ho as I was. I have lost some um, respect Mm -hmm. for the organization. And so, folks, at the beginning when I was saying, you know, how does loss play into that? It's Mm -hmm. subtle ways. We we lose a lot subtle. Like you were talking, you were sick a lot. You you know, you were losing physical wellness. Yep. And that's something I think that we don't think a lot about. Are there other things that you you, – can remember that you feel, hey, on this side, I can see that that was a loss. Um, Not to put you on the spot. No, like total loss of um, my, yeah, my, like I said, you and I both have migraines in common, which I think is something that we bonded over. Yeah. yeah. Um, but um, the stress causes my migraines to get worse. And so my migraines were out of control during that period. Mm-hmm. I don't stay home from work when I have migraines. I work through migraines, but that has an absolute physical toll on my body, which yeah. has that, that, that all flows downstream, right? So then that takes a toll on my relationship with my husband. That takes a toll on my relationship with my children. It takes a toll on my relationship with my grandchildren. It makes me want to do nothing, but on Saturday, stay in my pajamas all day on my couch and be a hermit. Exactly. It, it, in that way, it affected me that I gained weight. I didn't exercise. I was depressed. I was sad all the time because I felt unsupported in what was supposed to be the happiest thing of my life. And we spend so many hours there. Yeah. About work. But yeah, we we devoted so much of our time and I did love what I did. Mm -hmm. Um, I would, I honestly, you and I both would, would spend as much time out of the office as we could up on the hospital floors, just interacting with those people that we knew and our patients just to sort of get that. I think that that feel good piece of it because we weren't getting it downstairs. Yeah, that is true. Um, you know, it was, it was, um, it was devastating to me. And then when I left my job, I went from one toxic environment to another. But unfortunately, or but fortunately, I guess, for me, um, 
the management couldn't have been more different. They handled it completely differently and took care of that toxic environment immediately. And I learned my lesson. Mm -hmm. I didn't sit back on my laurels. As soon as things started looking weird, I reported it and said, hey, you know what? I won't stay. I've been through this once. I won't go through it again. And they took care of that. And and I, I valued my health. But I lost a lot in that year and a half, almost two years that we worked yeah. together. I lost a lot. And I think trust was a, a big one, too. Um, you oh, know, yeah. lost, we, we lost trust of our, our customers because mm-hmm. of, um, you know, how many times did we hear we wish it was like That's it used right. to be? And I, you know, That's because right. they weren't treated properly by the person as well. Families weren't being that's treated right. properly as well. And that's another um, aspect of what you lose um, with your with your yep. customer base. And that's that was a that's that was right. a huge one for me. That was hard for me because we had worked really hard to establish relationships. And then somebody comes in and trashes them. <laughs> so, um, mm-hmm. yeah. And I, I like what you just said, Rana, about how you learned um you learned about that from that, that you, in your next, in your last workplace, I'm not going to do this. I'm going to report it. And I, it sounds like that was mm-hmm. something that you found in this is how do I not let this happen again to me? Absolutely. Um, Cause I've, I've had, you know, previous workplaces before I came to work when I worked with you where it was, there was difficulties and just my own personality is one that I don't like to make waves. I don't like to, um, problems so I tend to make myself smaller and just kind of hide from it and um, mm-hmm. I've had those you know, you know there's, there's always going to be someone in your workplace there's always going to be that one person that you don't get along with it just is the way it is and so I, I'd always just kind of tended to just huddle in my corner and hide out from it but I've learned that there's a difference between that person you don't get along with and that literal toxic environment uh, yeah, talk. Um, yeah, d- um, make a distinguish if you can distinguish that with the, aud- so, the audience. Um, a personality clash is one thing. You know, you just your personality is so one hundred percent different from this personality. You listen to different music. You have different political beliefs. Maybe they're really outspoken, and you're not, and you just don't get along with them. That's not a toxic work environment. Um, when I left the job that I worked with you, and I went to my next job, my my boss literally wouldn't let me send emails without reading them. He um, was, uh, well, he turned out to be someone that was a fraudulent person and they had to fire him because of that. But um, he was very controlling of everything that I did um, to the point of standing over my shoulder, watching me type and um, mm-hmm. watching me clock in and clock out. And it was, it was a, I, I equated it to a bad spousal relationship. It was like an abusive marriage. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, they actually, my company actually brought in a mediator for uh, for us. And then he was fired. And then they kept the, the counselor on to counsel me afterwards because it was such a bad relationship. It was such a bad experience. But that's, that's, a, that's, that's an abusive relationship versus I just don't get along with Peggy Sue over there because yeah. she's a Democrat and I'm a Republican. And she likes the Seahawks and I like the Rams and She's really boisterous, and I'm really—I like to read books. You know, that's different. But when someone is actively trying to make your life miserable, and they are undermining you, and they're sabotaging you, mm-hmm. that's a toxic work environment. Yeah, gossip. And, you know, I think there's people who do those things and don't even realize they're doing it. It's still a toxic work environment. It is, and it, and the, I think the difference is between somebody not knowing it and creating a toxic work environment is when you when you speak to them about it, they take that and go, oh, right. I didn't realize this is what I was doing. I will try to work on that. And they're open exactly. to somebody supporting them through it versus the million conversations that we had. And it did seem yep. like that many. And it's like, oh, OK. And then it doesn't matter because I'm just going to continue exactly. to do what I want to do. Um yeah, we tried so many times. We had so many let's talk this through. And, yeah. And I, yeah, yeah, exactly. I think some things that, that came out of for me looking back, I what I have found through that is I kind of found my voice. I was mm-hmm. probably the most mm-hmm. non-assertive person in the world. <laughs> and <laughs> and that really started me on the path of, you know what? this isn't right. And I don't like the way you're talking to me. I don't like the way you just talk to that yeah. person on the phone. And I would, and I started to speak up now. Did it go anywhere? No, 
But what I found is I was speaking up and that in itself Mm -hmm. made me feel like I had some control because at least I said my piece. Um, And then I oftentimes when I did speak up, I would email my boss because I wanted that person to know this is the situation. If you hear anything, you know, if you're going to get a complaint, I want you to know how it went down. And I would cover myself like that. But I also found for myself, um, I found that I, I, in a way it was almost good for me because it was a conduit to move forward in my life. I, because Mm -hmm. I love that job so much that I think I, I just felt like, I probably would have stayed there forever. And maybe that's Mm -hmm. not where I was supposed to be. And one thing that I, when I was thinking about this show, what I would really want you as the listener to know and to think about, how does that play with you? If you're in that type of an environment, is there a reason for that? Is it a message to Mm -hmm. you to possibly, hey, it's time to to move forward? Um, I I don't know. That's that's something that, that I found in that. And And I'm very, you know, on this side of it, I'm very happy about it. And I think another thing that I found was how many times I had to do some breathing and to do some self-soothing and to do some centering. Mm -hmm. I remember, you know, sitting at my computer the way we were in the bullpen, you know, all of our backs would be at each other when we're facing our computers. And I, there were many a time something went on, something was said, I felt attacked, whatever, and I would just deep breathe and get control of myself. Mm -hmm. And I'm grateful for that because that I've taken that everywhere. You know, if I start to Mm -hmm. get upset, I am able to to breathe. And that's an important, (laughs) that was important for me to learn. So those are just a few profound things that I found through that experience that on this other side, I can look back and go, wow, you know, I'm, I am grateful in a certain, to a certain extent for what I experienced because this is how now I am because of that. And that's, that's a, it's not pleasant at the time, but it can be, um, you know, making something good, finding something good in a, in a difficult situation. I have to say um, a loss for me is I'm a very trusting person by nature. I always have been. Yes. Me, yeah. I meet you. You're my friend. Yep. And I don't have that anymore. Um, when I came to the uh-huh. position that I'm in now, you're right. Uh, every person that I've met on my team, I have a nine foot wall between me and them. And it, I've been in this position now for about 10 months and I'm, those walls are starting to come down, but I don't trust anyone because I don't trust their motive. And I never used to have that before. And that's a huge loss to me that, that I just, I, that I mean, is that by is by nature a trusting person, and you know that. I mean, I just yeah, I'm I am an open trusting person, and I've gotten burned. I just got really burned in that environment, and um, it took a lot out of me. And so I'm really I I I think there's good and bad in that. I I learned that not everyone is trustworthy, not everyone is is deserving of that level of trust from me. So. I am very mm-hmm. careful about what I say to people and how quickly I let people into my circle. And, um, you know, I, I, I've got to test the waters a little bit before I let them in. Um, so there's good and bad there. And that's true of pretty much everybody in my life now. I, I, that, that takeaway is big for me out of that experience, unfortunately. Hmm. I'm processing that. I didn't... I didn't know that. Um, hmm. mm-hmm. So do you think, so do you have kind of um, like a litmus test that people kind of have to pass to before you, you trust them? Um, it's generally if I tell them something and it comes back to me from another source. Mm. Okay. Yeah. And I don't, you know, and I'm really careful about what I tell people, but if I hear something back from another source or if I hear something negative um, from somebody else, oh, you know, so-and-so said this, then I'll know. Okay, well, I can't trust that person. So, yeah, um, not that I'm testing people. I'm not testing people. I don't want anybody to think I'm, I'm out there testing people. But um, that's kind of my litmus test is because people will present their, everyone gives their best friend, up, uh, you know, their best face forward when you first meet them. And um, I always 
I'm I'm a Labrador retriever, man. I just ordered the golden retriever. I just fall for it. I'm like, oh yeah, you're my best friend. Um, mm-hmm. I'm not everybody's your best friend, unfortunately. And so, um, I just I'm just cautious and um, reserved a little bit, a little bit more than I used to be. Are you like your Chihuahuas um, now? Your Chihuahuas? I'm like Rita. Yeah, I'm not like Tiki. Tiki loves everybody. Rita's a little more cautious. Okay, because I know those little dogs yep. sometimes can be quite yep. feisty with people and and not trusting mm-hmm. of everyone. So, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yep, I have one of each. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's that's interesting, and that is a a downside, but it, but in a way, it's also mm-hmm. a, a positive side of really because then you you find who your circle is, and mm-hmm. that's really really important. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do you have any any final thoughts or anything, Rana? Anything you'd like to to share that I I didn't ask you about, or any kind of advice you would give to someone? Well, the best thing that ever came out of this was meeting you, and I'm so thankful for you. Oh. And um, you know, I'd say advice is find your tribe wherever you work, and dig in deep with those people, and um, you know. Every work environment is going to have difficulties, and um, you can choose to try to get around them, or you can choose to run away from them. I think that our troubles follow us, and we'll, sometimes those troubles are because we need to work on parts of ourselves, and yes. sometimes they're truly toxic work environments. And so we have to suss out which one of those it is. Is this me? Am I the common denominator here, or is this really a toxic work environment? And um, you know, kind of look at it that way, but, um, yeah. I think that's that's actually, that's actually a a really good point of, yes. Is it, is it me being particular? Is it me just wishing things were as they, you know, as they used to be? Is it me? Mm -hmm. Well, I don't really like that person. So I'm projecting that this is what they're doing. Um, I think, I think that's, uh, that's something that when, when I was doing some, some research, you know, to kind of get a feel for what is out there and how they label toxic work environments, you know, that was something that, as, as I'm thinking about it, I wasn't seeing a lot of is um, me looking at myself and how I'm playing into mm-hmm. it. And if it is mm-hmm. something that I'm calling toxic only because I'm not liking this person or I'm having a person, like you were saying about, is it a personality? You know, that personality conflicts are not toxic work environments unless... Well, they right. can become that, you know, based upon how you treat each other right. and and what you do with that. But self um, self examination, and I th- I feel like we did a lot of that. I know I did a lot of that because I would go home and mm-hmm. I would go, okay, I can see maybe I shouldn't have said this. That maybe added to the situation, or oh, I wish I would have mm-hmm. said this. But you know, a lot of examining of what's going on because you do feel so crazy. You've got to somehow make sense of it. So Mm -hmm. folks, if you're listening and you find yourself leaving your work and spending a lot of time trying to diffuse (laughs) and, and, and make sense of what your day was like, that's probably a a tip that you're in an environment that is really difficult for you. So, um, so yeah, I, I hope that, that listening to the show, you know, thank you, Rana, for, for sharing what you've shared um, and, and coming on and being willing to, to kind of open your heart a little bit. I, I feel like we've been really respectful to, to our situation. And, you know, we, I don't feel like we have thrown anybody under the bus, but just really I wanted to be real about things so um, the, mm-hmm. you as the listeners can kind of get a sense of, hey, is this, you know, that kind of sounds familiar to me or, boy, I need to really think more about that. Because it is a loss, and I hope um, through our conversation that you all can see that that there is a lot of loss that does take place when we're in such an environment. So, thanks, Rana, for for coming on and and um, sharing with me. Um, yeah. I just I just it's really want me. yeah yeah I just really want to encourage everyone to you know to think about your own current situation and exactly what you are. Um, facing every day. Listen to your body. Your body tells you what is going on and listen to what that is telling you. Listen to your thoughts when you are having to, to go to work and when you're getting to work that pay attention and know that you, you know, maybe you don't have a choice right now, but maybe you can start looking for choices if this is a situation that you're in, that you're having a really hard time being in and to think that you would have to, to move forward from it. Um, 
because you will learn things from it. You will find things in your situation. And that's what's great is you can carry that on to, to make you a better person. So I do want to do a, that warms my heart moment. And this is coming from a Wisconsin man who shares one last thank you to the town's residents. Normally, no one wants to receive an unsolicited letter from an attorney, but that's exactly what some residents of Ripon, Wisconsin found in their mailbox. The letter was from an attorney representing the estate of Dennis Volstad. Dennis, who at one point owned the local dry cleaner, he died a few months ago at the age of 69. To most people, Dennis seemed to be a man of modest means, but he secretly amassed a small fortune. Although it wasn't the size of his estate, it was the directions he left behind for what to do with it. He said in provision number five, the sum of $500,000 to be divided equally to the individuals that attend my funeral. This was reported by the executor of his estate who was reading it. That's all the people had to do was show up to his funeral just attend the church service or simply set foot in the funeral home and sign the registry and the money was yours. Of course, no one knew this in advance. Dennis had no wife or kids, so there was no reason for him to expect a large turnout. And the gentleman that was the executor of his will, he found two New Year's resolutions that Dennis had made this year. Live a life that is pleasing to God. And secondly, find true friends, not be lonely. Those people who did love him enough to attend his funeral, that was a thank you to from him. Dennis may not have had a lot of close friends, but he was endlessly kind, and all of these people appreciated that. 270 of them attended his service. Now each will get about $1,800. And the bonus is it's going to motivate people to be more giving, more loving, and more understanding. Although I would like to say this, as this warms my heart, this man loved his community. He didn't know that the people loved him. So when you're out there, let folks know that you care about them and you love them. Don't wait until the funeral to make that statement. Thank you for tuning in today. I just want to remind you to be gentle with yourself, be gentle with others, and remember as Lao Chu said, new beginnings are disguised as painful endings. See you next week.